Welcome to the next episode of the Skibby Wiffleball League podcast. I am Brian Benware, your host, and today I am joined with uh, by Peter Light, Hall of Famer, former captain of the Brewers, and uh, we are going to do a lot of ranking today. Um, today's episode is brought to you by 1356 Public House, our presenting sponsor for season 20 and host of the Friday night opening day fest, uh, social event. Get out there, check out their big menu, like I've been saying. Their drink specials are amazing. Um, they're at 141 in Big Bend. Um, and then they, they do have trivia nights on Wednesdays. So get out there, support our sponsors. Um, and after that, let's just get into it. How are you doing, Peter? I'm doing good. I appreciate you having me. It's been uh, maybe a year or two since I've done a podcast. So it's been a while. Yeah, but you were a regular for our in our old version of podcasts. You hosted a couple. Um, you're kind of the stats guru, which is pretty cool, especially with this one. We're going to be doing a lot of rankings, so going to kind of pick your brain. I was trying to think of a clever nickname for you. Like, I forget who it is, that goofy dude in the NFL that was called the professor all the time. So I was trying to think yeah. of a cool nickname for you, but. Well, I think for now, Professor Pete, we can roll with that. Um, but yeah, I think I was a, a founding father of the, the podcast variety back, back in the day, which I really enjoyed. Awesome. Well, yeah, like I said, we're going to do some rankings. Um, we've got a couple different things. Um, the big news lately has been the top 20 just wrapped up. And so we're going to dive into that and get Peter's opinions on it and uh, maybe look at some people who were left off the list. Maybe we're ranked a little high, but that's let's just dive into that. All right. Let's do it. All right. So, as I said, the top 20 and I'm just going to review it real quick. OK, from one to 20. Spencer Bogad, Gus Skibby, Corey McCarthy, Sam Skibby, Scott Poley, Chris Metter, Jackson Crosley, Blake Spencer, Peter Light, coming in the top 10, Brett Spencer, John Calloway, Chris Vorbeck, Jimmy Nelson, Paul Castellano, Will Smith, or sorry, Will Rath, Cam Smith, Ed Lodonin, Derek Cornell, Brian Kenny, and Steve Hayes. So, Initial thoughts. What what did you think once you saw the final the final numbers come out and the final rankings come out? Yeah, in, in general, I'm 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 certainly fine with it. It seems appropriate. Um, I don't feel like I see a lot of overvalued players. I, I think there's maybe a few that are undervalued or, or not recognized, but I mean it's not perfect. And I, I mean, if you consider the fact that somebody out there, uh, voted Gus eighth, um, which seems crazy to me. Um, somebody also didn't include Chris Metter on their, their list. Um, and third is somebody voted Edlo number one. Um, and I'm, I believe that was Edlo. Probably. But, uh, you know, those things all go into this. And so if you, there's a lot of outliers, I think that I would, I'd prefer to scrub and uh, remove, but but here we are. And at the end of the day, it, it, the changes might be slight. Um, so I think it's a fair, fair representation. Yeah. Well, and one thing that came up on a previous podcast was the way people vote. And, and did you, I assume you voted for the top 20? I did as well. Yes. How did, how did you vote? Like what factors played into the way you voted? Cause me personally, what I did was kind of like the way the NFL does it. I basically voted on last year's performance only. And that's who made the top 20 for me. So, but some people kind of play into, hey, what do we think is going to happen in season 20? What have they done over the past couple of seasons? How, what kind of went into your, 
your voting strategy? Yeah, much like you, I, I put the greatest emphasis on last year, maybe the last two seasons. Um, definitely not going back further than five years um, of the first pitch strike era. So, you know, you see guys like, you know, myself or, or Brett or some of the older veterans that, that, that were uh, around long ago and, and have a lot of stats to, to back that up. That, that might be, be some where I think you get a little overvalued. Um, but I definitely look at the last year or two. I think there's some players that are, they're not loud or, or sexy or flashy. And, and they, for that reason, they might be uh, left off or kind of underrated a little bit. Um, so I really like, like, like you said, I'm looking at recent, recent history, especially as we're all aging, getting older. Uh, last year is probably the most representative take on how this year will be. Yeah. Yeah. I was looking, just looking at the list while you were talking there and, I agree. I think there's a little bit of, I think some people just like an all-star voting kind of thing. There's a little bit of these guys have been around, have done it for a long time. They inherently maybe get bumped up the list from that. I was looking at, you know, like you said, you were ninth, Brett Spencer was 10th, John Calloway was 11th. And they're worst, you guys were strength in that same order with 14, 16, and 18, where, you know, I think some of those ranks were probably a little bit low but at the same time you ended up averaging back out to the top 10 so you know and then there were other people like we didn't talk really about the the almost made the cut people but there were people Pat, Patrick Gotti was 21st and he didn't even play last season um, Kyle Cornell was 25th and he you know he played game one and he tried to get through for you guys for what two games but with that injury he really couldn't do a whole lot but he's still got enough votes to get right on the cusp of making it because he's performed for a long time. Right. Right. So, you know, I, I definitely see some snubs and I'm sure we'll get into those. And yeah, well, uh, let's, let's jump into those. That was going to be my next question. Who do you think got snubbed? Sure. So there's, there's three that, that stick out to me. Um, by number three snub, uh, I'm definitely going to go with Jimmy Stout here. So he, um, he didn't seem to get, a single vote as far as I can tell. Um, he's not in the top 28. And, you know, sure, he, 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 he played a little bit last year. He went two for eight, um, but he really wasn't, he was there because we, the Brewers uh, needed, needed some players and he wasn't healthy. He was, he was post-op uh, for his, uh, for surgery. And the two years prior to last year, he didn't, didn't play at all. So he's effectively been out of the, out of the league for three years. So I think that explains what most people, uh, why they would leave him off. Um, but, you know, last year in, in summer league, he, he batted 600, which was tied for fourth. He played the most innings and was tied for first in runs. Um, and he's, he, he's got the hands to be a solid fielder um, as well uh, after playing with him for, for a few years. So, you know, he's, he's been battling Crohn's and ulcerative colitis. He, he recently had a significant surgery similar to um, to the same surgery that, that Cedric Mullins had at the Baltimore Orioles um, when he was diagnosed with Crohn's disease before the 2021 baseball season. And uh, Cedric Mullins went on to, well, he lost 20 pounds after having some of his intestines removed, but he was the only 30 home run, 30 stolen base player in Major League Baseball. And he finished ninth in the AL MVP race on the 
crappiest team in the whole major league baseball. So um, I think Jimmy's he's, you know, if there was stock in Jimmy, I'd be, I'd be putting it all in there. Um, I definitely can see him landing on this list next year, especially as part of the Astros um, lineup. Yeah. Well, and on a personal note, I'm obviously hoping for that. So, um, but we're, we're excited to have him. And I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think if people were taking into account what somebody could do in season 20, he should have gotten at least one vote to get on this list. And I would say the same thing for Jeremy Worrell. Jeremy Worrell has been lights out summer league and was an awesome pitcher for the Brewers last year, yet he didn't make the list either. Any no, thoughts no, on he, Jeremy? Uh, I mean, you, you, we obviously both know him really well. He's, he's played for both our teams. Yeah. He, he carried us to a, a big win over the Royals last year um, on the mound. And we needed, we needed more hitting than we thought we did going into the season with Kyle getting hurt and he stepped up in a big way, hit a home run in game one against the Expos. Um, and curious to see, uh, and now he's on the Expos. Yeah. So, well, and that's what I was going to say too. He's going to be playing a really big role for them this year. So the at-bats are going to be there. The pitching is going to be there because Jimmy can only play pitch a total of six games. So he's got at least four potentially complete games that he's going to have to pitch if not potentially more depending on what happens so um he was somebody that i was a little surprised that didn't even get a vote um somebody else who they were on the cusp of making it two guys i was going to bring up were ty butler and kevin poley i know ty had a, a little bit of a down year but he's unbelievable in left field and it has been a staple for them and kind of like how the the twins always say they they kind of go with edlow I mean, I always felt like the Royals kind of went with Ty. You know, if Ty was doing well, like they were going to be amazing. But, you know, he just missed the cut at 22. Um, his best ranked was 10th, though. So, like, people thought he should have been, you know, in that top half. And then Kevin Poley won a gold, gold hands in right field um, and has steadily gotten better and better at the plate over the past couple of seasons. Yet he didn't make the list either. He came in at 26. Yep, I'm with you on Ty. He, he was on my list. He was my number two. Um, he wasn't ranked last year either, which, which I thought was interesting, but he was 14th uh, two years ago. Um, and in, in the past five years, and again, I'll, I keep saying five years because that's, that's the first pitch strike era, and he's, he's seventh in average, seventh in hits. And my favorite stat is he's second in triples, which tells me that he's a hustler. And, you know, we know he's got solid fielding hands, he may defer to John Callaway and left this year, uh, I presume. Um, I don't know. But either way, their fielding is going to be really, really good out there. So, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm big, with, big on Ty here. I think he's going to have a great opportunity to, to start fresh. And you know, sure, he, he's, he's had a lot of strikeouts in his day, but you know, a strikeout is is the same as a, as a flyout or, or a groundout at the end of the day. And he's, he's a solid guy to, to be off this list. Yeah, for sure. Well, did you um, think anybody was overrated? Well, um, not as much as I really tuned in on the, the underrated. I think I'm quick to look at myself here uh, coming in at number nine because I, you know, I'm like you mentioned, I'm big on the stats. And if you look at the past few years or you go back five years, um, you look at average or home run ratios, things like that. I probably fall more in the 10 to 15 category. 
Um, there's no pitching value with me. Um, maybe there's some fielding value, um, but I don't think it's, it's going to be as, as heavy as maybe it's been in the past with, with how the Orioles are shaping up. So I'm just going to maybe it's a cop-out answer and just, you know, look at myself in the mirror and say, you know, drop me down a little bit. Um, I do, I do see Chris Forbeck landing at 12. I, I think I ranked him right around that same spot, but it's, it is interesting to see how many people quickly pounce on a, a one-year guy who had a solid year. He was ranked as high as six um, coming in at 12 and he may not play this year um, from what I gather, but, but it's amazing to see how, uh, how one year, kind of like Ty Butler's first year was probably the best rookie year we've ever seen. Uh, interesting to see how that all shakes out. I do want to quickly throw in my, my last underrated player. Oh yeah. Um, you know, coming in at number 21. So, uh, you know, barely missed the, the mark there, but it's uh, it's PG. And I, again, kind of like Jimmy, he, he didn't play at all last year. He was number 11 two years ago in these rankings. Um, and I don't think much has changed with him. I mean, he's, he finished, number two MVP, you know, two seasons ago behind Spencer and the summer league um, preceding that season, he was probably the hottest player in the entire summer league. I think he won player of the week twice. Um, it's a little different than the regular season, but, you know, he was pitching dominant. He was hitting dominant. He may pitch a little bit this year, maybe the third pitcher for the Orioles. He's going to be relied on to be a, a top four bat. I mean, coming in at 21, it's easy to say he, he should have been in the top 20. And I, I would guarantee that he shows up on the list next year when we do this again. Yeah. It'd be hard to keep him out if he continues to produce the way he was before he uh, took a season off. So um, one, one thing I was interested in, and I kind of feel like I know the answer, but you know, you look at those top three and three was Corey McCarthy last year's MVP. Um, so two people beat him out. My assumption is people voted because of the pitching aspect with Gus and Spencer. Um, but, you know, Corey McCarthy coming off two back-to-back -back great years because he was rookie of the year the year before. Um, and he had one of the top three, four rookie seasons we've seen in the SWBL. And then he comes and he doesn't have a sophomore slump and he wins the MVP. Any thoughts yep. on on that, I mean, I kind of feel like that's pretty explanatory when you throw in the pitching aspects from Gus and Spencer, but, um, and he did get ranked first by at least somebody. Um, yeah. So maybe somebody's just respecting that and saying, hey, he won the MVP. It is a hitting award, but. Yeah, he's, I'm, I, I'm a, I like it. I like where he landed. You know, he went two years ago, he wasn't on the list. And I know there was some, some uproar there on, you know, voters not being educated enough to, to realize how good he is last year. He was 12th. So he's had a steady climb up to number three. I, I don't know how much the voters, how much stock they put into fielding. Uh, he, he, I believe he won a gold hands and ride, or he, he, he can field very well. Mm -hmm. He's not going to pitch like Spencer or Gus. Um, but it's interesting to see him immediately preceding guys like Sam Scott, Chris Metter. You know, I think he's going to be a, batting in the middle of that twins lineup that's always going to put up runs and, you know, two solid years in this league is enough. I mean, in some cases, one solid year is enough to show what you can do. He's had a couple. Um, so I, I, I'm not surprised uh, 
where he landed, I, I think it, it makes total sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, let's go ahead and wrap that up. Any final thoughts on the top 20? Anything else you want to make sure we mentioned on the podcast? No, no, I think, uh, I, I liked, I think this is the third year we've done this, um, from top 18, 19, 20, I mean, 10 years from now, I don't know if we're going to go all the way to the top 30, but uh, we'll find out. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the future holds with the rankings and, and obviously what happens with the league. But, um, well, let's move on. Um, you had an interesting idea for the next segment that we're calling the top five most well-traveled players. Um, and the way you kind of had described it to me was basically who are the top five true nomads of the SWBL players who have been on at least three or more teams um, during the franchise era. And you have a list. I'm going to let you go through your list here and then I may counter or add somebody that I've thought of. Yeah, no, I mean, we've, we've had, it's been a decade of the franchise era and there's teams like the Rockies that have been around the entire time. And yeah. then, there's Got only three Blake. left, actually. We had just we brought that up on the last podcast. There are three original franchises left: the Yankees, the Rockies, and the A's. Yep. So it's 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 interesting to see, you know, guys will stay true and true to their to their team, to their people. Um, but as the years goes go on, and this past year was a huge shakeup, um, I feel like we're gonna keep seeing people bounce around. So I've uh, I think there's guys that have these guys that have played on at least three or four teams. Um, they've seized new opportunities. They've, they've, uh, left when teams disbanded and found a new home, but so I kind of came up with the top five. Um, and, and number five on my list is, uh, is Paul Castellano. You know, he, he started his first three years with the Rays, um, of course, part of their three P championship run. Then, uh, he went to the Royals and spent one year there, uh, before going to the athletics and spent three years with that team. Um, the year after their, their big and probable championship run. Um, so he was kind of piggybacking off of that. Uh, 2020, during the, the first kind of COVID year, he did jump to the Braves, that kind of one year team uh, with Sam and Gus and, and Steve Hayes. And he was nationally recognized for his fielding, winning, being part of the first team, NWLA. And then now he's back, back to the A's last year, where he was nationally recognized for his pitching as part of the third team. And we all know he's a solid hitter. So, I mean, he's a three-tool guy. He is the definition of three-tool guy. Um, back to the A's this year, but he's, um, he's one of those quiet guys, very humble, not loud, but just gets, gets the job done, uh, whatever you need him to do. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I love Paul. Um, I've always been a fan of his and he's such a, just a down to earth, awesome guy to be around too. Um, so it just makes it that much better to watch him perform. And, and like you said, he's a, a three tool player. Like there are only a few of those guys who have been nationally recognized for all three facets of the game. So, and he's one of them. So. True. Number four on my list is a guy we know well, Jeremy Worrell. We spoke about him earlier. Um, he spent the first four years with the Astros. And then, you know, last year with the Brewers, he, he came in and it was kind of a opportunity for playing time, really a need uh, for, for a guy like him, whereas he may not have you know played as much if he stuck around with the Astros. Um, 
And then he recently resigned with the Expos for, for this year. So there's his third team. Same. It's, it's interesting. It's the same exact reason, same exact storyline. The Expos need players much like the Brewers did last year. He's it's a great opportunity for him. He's going to get a lot of playing time. He's, he's kind of found roles with more desperate teams um, in that moment. And I think that's part of the beauty of the league. You know, if, if one team is is it has a need somewhere, it just kind of naturally fills itself um, for the betterment of the league, really, and for the betterment of the player and, and the teams and everything. Um, and ironically for Jeremy, I, I noticed that his, his past two years, you know, first as an Astro, then as a Brewer, resulted in identical pitching stat lines where he, he threw 17 and a half innings, had a one and three record with 13 strikeouts. So now as an Expo, number two guy behind Jimmy on the mound, he's going to have a chance to repeat that or maybe improve those numbers um, and bringing his bat as well. Yeah. Yeah. And he was like, we had mentioned it, but he was, he was a big bat during summer league. Um, and so I think the Expos were kind of counting on that momentum to continue forward. Um, going into this year because I mean losing Brett is a big loss um at the plate and then obviously at the mound but you know I think people are underestimating his bat and think of him as a pitcher first which may be true because that's where he's had the most success longevity wise but he's a great hitter um he just hasn't had enough opportunity in the past couple seasons to kind of show he he slumped early in his career um and then started kind of finding the groove he kind of had that uh, thing we see all the time with with baseball players they don't always translate to wiffle ball and I think it just took him a little while to kind of get used to the style of play um, at the plate but he's really come on the past couple of years and and I think he's gonna do a lot of good things for the Expos this year so yep great 100 uh, percent my number three guy is is uh you mentioned him briefly is Brett Spencer so he's 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 played on or will play on his fourth team uh, he spent his first four years, the franchise here with the Cardinals, um, not a lot of postseason success, but he did win two Cy Wiffle awards uh, playing with Sam. And then he spent his next four years with the Rockies, joining his brother, Blake. He won one more Cy Wiffle and uh, one championship. And then he spent his next two with the Expos, of course, um, with their championship from a couple of years ago. And now he's, finding a seat at the table with the Orioles for, for 2022. So I, you know, he, he brings success wherever he goes. And I think if I look into my crystal ball for the next three to five years of, of the league, I could, I could certainly see him being on at least one or two more teams, just kind of playing with different guys, you know, following the trend of, you know, if franchises move along or opportunities present themselves and he's, you know, he's, he's always going to be that guy that people are calling after, you know, if there's any whisper that, things are shaken up and Brett's on the free agent market, you know, much like a, a Paul or a Jackson Crossley has been, or, or Brett himself. I think those are the guys that are quickly high on everyone's uh, target list. Yeah, for sure. And he, you know, he's been a part of two of the bigger shakeup years when it comes to free agency. You know, we had, they had that, that year where he chose to go to the Expos and there were a lot of moving parts, a lot of new players that year. And then this year, obviously with the two different, the Royals and the Brewers disbanding, you know, he could have easily stayed put, but he decided to, you know, join Sam back up again. I think that was a big draw for him, but I also think wanting to play with you um, kind of, you know, we'll, we'll get more into 
the team aspects, like the individual teams in future podcasts, but um, sort of like a, even though you all haven't played together, sort of like getting the band back together, you guys are all really close friends uh, growing up and, and kind of that core group um, who's been around for a really long time and now sort of finding a way to get everybody on one team. I think that was a big draw for him this year. So, yeah, I agree. I'm looking forward to it and seeing, seeing how it goes. Yeah. Um, number two on my list, and this is Will Raff. And when I think back to five years ago, this is kind of where my whole idea started with this because I, and the, and the, and the term nomad is kind of where this began because in Will's, I think the first six years of the franchise era, he, he was on his fourth team in year six. Um, he spent his first couple of years with the Royals and then his next couple of years with the Rays capturing a title with them uh, in one of those years. But in 2016, and I, for, I totally forgot this. He, he played with the Yankees. Um, he didn't hit, he pitched 14 innings. Um, and, you know, he's always been a guy who's everyone will say, you know, he, 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 he hits as well as anybody he, but he doesn't bat all the time. He kind of was a half, half playing time batter. He was more of a pitcher. Um, and that was kind of the compromise. I think that where he landed in, in certain years, but after the Yankees in 16, he moved along to the, to the now twins, uh, where he's been since then. Um, and has gotten half, you know, halftime hitting. And in a lot of those years, he's, he's hit a little more than others because uh, they've got a lot of guys, you know, that, that can hit. Yeah. Um, but he, he's in those five years with the twins, he's, he's averaged 23 innings pitched. He has a 20 and four record. Um, and he is, I believe he was runner up for Cy Wilfel twice. Um, I see somebody ranked him as high as five this year in the top 20 but he's come in at like 15, 18, 17. So a solid player um, moved around early. I think as there were some early shakeups, but you do wonder, I mean, he's a guy that, you know, like an expo team or a desperate brewers of last year. I mean, if, and we did reach out to him to try to, to try to land him. Um, he could get full-time hitting solid pitching um, maybe more opportunities than he currently gets with the twins, but clearly he's, He's, he's with the right crew. Uh, the twins do a lot of things right. So um, it's just interesting to see, uh, you know, a lefty pitcher. That's always, that's always tough for, for a lot of hitters. So he's got that advantage. Um, so he's, he's never on my list. He's kind of the, the creation behind, behind this list as well. Yeah. Yeah. I reached out to Will a couple of years back. Um, probably one of the years I, you know, lost my entire roster again and had to start over for the third or fourth time, but and I think I promised him like full-time batting or something like that. But he, you know, he, I think there's an aspect of Will where he wants to win. Um, and I think maybe that takes a little bit more precedence for him than some of the stats or hitting or playing time or something like that. And I mean, I just like the epitome of a, of a great teammate. And then yet you look at how many teams he's been on too. So it's, it's kind of crazy when you, you see the personality, but then you see the the history behind how many teams he's been on. Um, that he's he's willing to sacrifice for the betterment of the the team, too. Right, that's very true. And uh, so, number one guy on my list is uh, who you know from last year is, is John Callaway. Um, fan. So he he's finding himself on his fourth team as a captain of the White Sox. Um, 
not a lot of people remember the the Indians from 2012, the original uh, year of the franchise era. They they stuck around for one year. Uh, he was part of that team with Alex Heck and Spencer. And then he went to the Yankees for the majority of his career, where he eventually won a title in 2019. And I think that one was huge because after seven years, it was the first time that, you know, a, a team won that where it wasn't Metter or Brian Kenny, you know, playing left field. So he was that third left fielder to lead their team to victory in that, in that sense. Um, and then he, of course, was on the Astros last year, um, where similarly, you know, I think he plays a huge role in leading the Astros to their first playoff appearance. Um, but I think part of the whole master plan or long-term plan there was that he was going to be the next guy tapped by our beloved commissioner, Sam Skibby to lead a franchise. So now he is, uh, taking the white Sox into 2020 pulling guys like Derek and Ty and Jackson Crosley from the Yankees, uh, onto his team. So he's got, I think that's a, that's going to be a high expectation team. I think for, for me, I mean, they're, they're tier two. They've got a chance to, to really make some noise, a playoff contending team for sure. He's got a way to, he can run things the way he wants to. And um, he's going to be a big, big face in the future of, of the league. So I think uh, it's exciting to see how that team is going to shake out. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a, obviously a big fan of John and um, we kind of always knew that when an opportunity arose for him to start a team <clears throat> that he was going to take it. I was just hoping as a captain, I was hoping that was going to be a few years down the road. Um, and uh, that wasn't to be, but I'm excited to see what he does. He, he was, um, you know, sitting right next to me a lot of times when I was trying to think and make decisions and I was bouncing ideas off of him and Cam and the guys, I, I try to include my team in, in, in decisions um, and ideas that I have um, and get their opinions. And, and he was always willing to speak up, but he was also willing to support whatever decision I made. And I think, uh, I think that just showed me he's going to be a great captain. He, he, he has the guys that he really wants that he trusts on his team. And, and uh, if he makes a decision, I think they'll back him up as well. But I also think that he's going to, he's going to let his guys play. And I think that's why he constructed his roster the way he did. So I'm excited to see what he does. And I obviously think he's a great player. So um, makes sense that you had him at one, um, but I'm going to bring up somebody who he left off the list potentially could be number one, and that is our loving commissioner, Sam Skibby. He is now on his third team in the franchise era, starting out obviously managing the Cardinals and then joining his brother, Gus, for what the past six seasons, I think, um, on the Royals, and now he is on the Orioles. So uh, you left, left him off and could easily say he probably should be number one. Well, Sam, Sam should probably be number one in everything. Just yeah. kind of creating this whole spectacle that we've lived for so long. Yeah. But anyway, I just wanted to bring that up. So one thing I was interested in, why do you think there's a reason they haven't locked in on one team? Um, you had kind of alluded to the way the teams, the makeups and opportunities come along and it just always seems to work out for the best of the league is, do you feel like it's just coincidental that that's the way it's gone? Or is there a reason you think some of these guys haven't 
you know, stuck with one team for, you know, their whole career or even just sticking around two teams. Because there are yeah, guys in the league that have been on two teams, but three or more is, is a different story. Yeah, I think there's there's multiple reasons. And I think, like, with Jeremy Worrell, like, sometimes I'll, I'll classify it as kind of the, the betterment of – their situation or the, the team um, that just kind of following, letting the pieces fall and following where the playing time is going to be and the true need. Second, I think it's, it's, it's friendships. It's, it's the bromance. It's, you know, Scott and Gus wanted to reunite, you know, Brett and Sam wanted to reunite again, Brett and, and Pete wanted to play together for the first time and those kind of things. Um, I mean, I, there, there could be, you know, third, there could be kind of the desire to win. Um, I think it's always a reason why someone might stick with a team or go to a new team. I don't know if a lot of people, I do think that the, the friendships, the situations are way above the, the championship desires for, for a lot of people. Um, but naturally as we've and we see these franchises kind of turn over or people wanting the opportunity to be a captain and kind of shake it up. It just causes this ripple effect. Um, so I think fortunately it just all, it all gets managed. It all gets kind of, you know, it all culminates in the right things happening and the right situations kind of fall into place. Um, but I do think right now, you know, this year we're several years back, it was, you know, Sam and Brett had their big, you know, LeBron James video where they were going to leave and kind of pouring themselves out to anybody and everybody to get the most bang for their buck. They could. Um, now it's a lot more behind the scenes and franchises may, you know, are the Rockies going to stay around forever? Um, there was rumor that Blake was maybe going to kind of move along and, and hand the reins to Brian last year, but um, the athletics, as you mentioned, have always been there as well. Um, you just wonder how long things will last and how, uh, I think, I think this is the kind of the new norm. I think people are going to want to shake it up a little bit and, and play with different people uh, year to year. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, in my opinion, it's great. It was a struggle with, you mentioned the friendships, right. And, and it was a struggle for me as somebody who didn't grow up with you guys to, to convince people to come play with the Astros, no matter what I promised or, or anything, you know, that that's a hard barrier to break. And I feel like some of those aspects are breaking down. I mean, we have, less and less people getting drafted every year. Um, so, you know, a majority of the, the player pool has been the same for the past couple seasons. And so I feel like even though you might not play with somebody, you know, you're around them three or four or five years and you, you get friendships. I mean, Jimmy Stout's a great example. I, the moment Jimmy came into the league, he seemed to be friends with everybody. Um, but he and I had a great bond and we always talked about wanting to play together at some point and, and it finally just happened. But, um, you know, we, with all the shakeup and you said you, you kind of see that being the norm, I wonder, you know, obviously this year was a big year for free agents with two teams disbanding, but do you feel like it's going to be more about free agency than the draft in the next five years, let's say? Oh, I, I definitely do. I mean, the, the draft is, I wish the draft was this huge spectacle that everybody cared about, but you know, sure you can you can get you can get like a Ty Butler, um, yeah, or a Chris Vorbeck. But even even in the draft, those guys, there's one team that has their sights on them. 
no one knows enough about Chris Vorbeck to know, hey, we should try to swindle him away from the A's and offer him, uh, you know, these, these contracts are not, they're not lucrative. They're, they're not, uh, we're not, we're not buying and selling players here. Yeah. Um, I think the free agency moves are, are really where it's going to be. The draft is, it's fun because we love seeing new people come in here. Like you mentioned, like yourself, like you knew Sam, that's probably about it. And you came in and now you're, your besties with everybody. Uh, same with Jimmy Stout, who you mentioned, he knew me and now he's everybody's best friend. Um, so we could get more of that through the draft um, and probably get a, you know, some of these nationally recognized rookies coming in like a McCarthy or a Ty or a Vorbeck. Um, but there's, you know, what they always say, if you want to play in this league, you, you got to know a skibby in some fashion. And there's a long, there's a list of people that would surely love to play. And there's some unsigned free agents that haven't signed yet, but there's just limited, limited spots um, with the nine existing teams. Yeah. Yeah. And unless we go to another expansion of some sort, you know, it's probably going to be that way. But I think, you know, one thing I was just thinking about was the fact that we see a lot more one-year deals, especially this year, everybody, a lot of people signed for one year. Um, you had a couple people, you know, Gus signed for 10 years, um, but maybe gone are the days of those long deals. I mean, nobody, I don't think any captain is sitting there like holding some player's feet to the fire saying you signed a six year deal and you can't play with somebody else if their desire is to go be with some other team. But I think that people might just stick with one or two year deals and then kind of open it up and see what, what comes. What do you think? No, I agree. I mean, I, it was about a year ago at this time. I remember being on the phone with Jeremy Worrell and being like, Hey, Jeremy, like we may not have, a, we might have, a, we have a need on the brewers. And it, it, I've talked to Brian a little bit. If you want to come play with us, I think you'll, you'll get some good playing time. And he, his response was something around, well, I don't know. I signed a multi-year deal with Brian. I have to figure that out. I just don't, you know, the contracts here are, they're fun. And I, as a captain for the past eight, nine years, I really enjoyed putting some, some incentives in there and kind of trying to spice it up and put my own money on, on the line to get, get players to perform and whatnot, but no one, no one, yeah, right. No one's going to hold you to a 10 year contract. If, if it's for the betterment of yourself, a team, other players to go play somewhere else. Um, I feel like we may as well just move to kind of one year contracts altogether um, just to kind of, focus on one year at a time. Cause I do think these kind of shakeups could, could, could be more of a thing of the future than they have been in the past. Yeah. Maybe we'll see more trades. That would be, in my opinion, a lot more fun. Um, you know, That's, people who are on contract come up with the trade, something fun. I mean, we traded Chris Oberlore who, who doesn't play a lot, um, may not play at all, um, had a baby last year. So wasn't available, but you know, we traded him to the twins this year for, you know, the twins trait changing their profile pick on Twitter. So just fun things like that, or even player for player would be interesting. Um, we haven't seen a lot of that. So maybe that's something that happens in the future. Yeah, no, I love, I love trades. I think that, and there could be a time like mid weekend where an injury happens or someone's busy and then you need to trade, you know, I think Evan close many years ago, Evan close was traded to from the Rockies to the Expos for some natty lights or something. And he's been with the Expos for a long time. I, 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 I rumor has it, he may be going back to the Rockies. Um, 
or I, I guess back to the expos. But uh, I, you know, again, it's all about if something happens, we will find a way to make it work for the league, the teams, the players. Um, but yeah, trades are fun, especially even if it's for like a warm beer, you know, yeah. somebody needs that warm beer. Yeah. Yeah. Especially come Sunday and everything's hurting and they could use a little painkiller for sure. So yeah. well, let's move on. Let's move on to this next segment. Um, and it was another idea you brought up, but it was Missouri State alumni versus Mizzou alumni and the ultimate rosters from players from those schools. So what, first off, this is so creative. So what made you think about this? Well, I'm a, you know, I'm a creative guy, Brian. Uh, I, I don't, I'm trying to remember. Um, I feel like I was thinking about our, Nash, our, our SWL national team and Sam, Gus, Spencer, Jackson. Those four guys are all being Missouri State guys. Obviously, Chris Metter is a big part of that team as a Mizzou guy. They've had some other guys come and go, but I think that's kind of the core boys club that, that we've seen go out there and, and represent the league. And having gone to Mizzou, I, I, I know a lot of guys, I'm quickly aware of all the talent that we have that, that went to Mizzou. So, and it's, you know, we're all pretty much local born and raised in, in St. Louis. And those are two of the two schools where, where most people go. So I started mapping out in my head and, this podcast, I kind of put pen to paper and was like, well, how, what, what kind of lineups would, what, what would the lineups look like and, and how deep would they be? Um, so yeah, that's kind of where it began. And I, I drew up Missouri state. I, I kind of thought about positions and depth and did the same with Mizzou. And then um, even took it to the third realm of other categories. You know, not everybody goes to Mizzou or Missouri state and there's a pretty decent team for uh, that third category as well. Um, that's kind of where, uh, that's kind of where it all began, I guess. Yeah. Well, run me through your lineups. Let's start with the Missouri state team. We'll start with the bears. Um, so seems like John Callaway should be playing left field. Um, you could put Spencer Bogad out and right. And I'll, I'll say with all this, the positions are obviously flexible, but, um, you got Spencer and right. And then you'd be able to have Jackson and Gus as your, uh, as your as your pitchers, along with with Sam as well. I mean, you've got you've got depth there. And then if you needed a a sixth guy, you got Ty Butler, who we've kind of talked about um, earlier as well. So I mean, there are six players that I think are well. If I look at the list, I think that's probably six of our top twelve or so from the top twenty list. So yeah. how do you? Uh, how do you argue against that? But every team, every team needs some leadership. Every team needs a captain. And I feel like that's where uh, you come in, Brian, is kind of the, the overseer of that, that lineup, making sure people are in the right spot. Yeah. It'd be hard to tell the, any of these guys like what to do, but uh, you know, I can, I can stand at third and yell at them a little bit. Yeah. You, you don't, you can act like you're doing a lot and they'll work it out and you can hold a clipboard and yep. yell and it'll be good. Work. Yeah. All right. So uh, I, I can't really argue with any of that. The only thing I'd say is maybe you you put Ty Butler in left and John Calloway in, in right and maybe see what that that looks like. Um, but then, you know, again, you want to get Spencer in there. You've got four amazing pitchers, too. So got a ton of depth there. So uh, let's go to the Mizzou team. 
Yeah. So the Mizzou team is, is, is also good. I I'd say it probably packs a little more depth than the Missouri state team just, but, um, but of course we'll put Chris Metter in left. And I don't think anyone's going to argue with that. Um, I would put Scott Poley in right field and my one and two pitchers would be Jimmy Nelson and, and Brett Spencer and, you know, extra hitter. I, you got Paul Castellano, who we talked about earlier, like the bench, the bench for this team, you know, you've, you've got Ed Lowe, Brian, you know, Brian Kenny, you may not need to put him in the field if he got better, but you've got Steve Hayes. I guess I could throw myself in there, but I almost feel like I don't need to. Yeah. Um, and there's several, there's a few others that I think not listed, not named, but. Um, yeah. Blake, Blake, Blake went to Mizzou, right? Oh God, Blake. Yeah. He's on yeah. there too. But so more depth, more hitting, maybe a DH version of something. Yeah. So if you're, if you're talking a, a current day, you know, four man batting lineup, three fielders, you know, Missouri state may have the edge. Um, if you're talking a, a three game series, a five game series, more innings, maybe the Missouri debt, the Mizzou depth kind of comes in there, but for this Mizzou team, I think, you know, it, it could be managed by Kevin Wietucker. It could be managed by John light. Um, a lot of options there, but so, so more bodies on the Mizzou team, but you don't have, I guess, five of the top 11 or like the uh, Missouri state team would have. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then, so let's go to all other universities, right? Um, players that didn't go to either of those schools. Yeah, this one's good. It's, it's, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to put Jimmy Stout in left field. Um, not, not many people have seen Jimmy hands like, like I've seen, but, uh, he's a, he's an OMSL graduate. I'd put him out there and left. Um, you got the reigning MVP, Corey McCarthy, Christian brothers university. I, I put him in right. And you've got Will Rath from SLU on the mound followed by Cam Smith from St. Charles Community College. Um, and you've got some, you've got some bench strength with Derek Cornell and the back of the brothers, Sam and Luke, mm -hmm. you know, a guy like Chris Warbeck, he, he was a rookie last year. I have no idea where he went to school, but I'm going to, I'm going to say he probably didn't go to Missouri or Missouri state. So if, if that's the case, throw him on this team as well. Um, as far as a captain, you know, I kind of thought about Jerry Morrell because, um, He's he's been around the league enough. He's seen a lot to know how to kind of manage the pieces, and so it's a pretty it's a it's a good team. It's a respectable team. I mean, if you put them all in a in a pool of games, no one can predict how, how that's going to shake out. It, it could be anything. Yeah, I was I was when we were talking about this prior to the podcast. I was sitting there trying to rack my brain on how to fill out a, even a roster of people because I wasn't sure where people went to school and. And how would you get in? Would you would you have the depth of pitching that you need? Um, but this is a heck of a list. It was surprising um, the talent that that you were able to put put together on one roster for that too. And I was going to ask you like who wins maybe head to head, but we have three teams here, or what a score prediction would be. But I guess um, you know it is it is hard to say three game five game series like who would come out on top if I. I going to stick with Missouri state. Cause that's where I went to school. And, and like you said, you got four of the top, you know, 10 or five of the top 10 on that roster. And I think with four pitchers, you do have depth. It's just a matter of moving people around, but you've got Spencer can field, Sam can field, Gus can field, Ty and John um, on that team. So I feel like you have a lot of 
moving around where maybe you don't have as much people sitting at the same time where you want to change it around with maybe Mizzou or the other guys? Yeah, I mean, I, I it's a it's a it's a literal coin flip. I feel like I I I'd probably give the nod to Missouri State. I feel like that team, the Mizzou team with with Metter and Blake and Paul, and, and maybe there's a little more like clutch gene on the Mizzou side. Um, but and especially in a situation like this, but but it's hard to it's hard to deny the 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 five six man rotation that uh Missouri State will be rolling out, led by the leadership of uh, Brian Bimware. Yeah, thanks. Maybe we can convince Sam to do something like do an exhibition game like this during the season this year. Get this yeah. get this squad out there and let them let them battle for bragging rights. Yeah, I think that's the only time during the actual weekend would be the only time we'd be able to get everybody together for sure. Maybe supplement it with uh, the skills all star powder puff games, whatever else. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that'll be fun. Um, and I'll see what I can do to, to push Sam into, in, in that direction. Um, well, let's move on to our final topic. Um, and it's a topic I'm calling the unknown. And basically what it is, is um, it's five questions that you were not aware of before we started this. So I'm um, going to get fresh, real reactions to these, but, um, and we're just going to go down the line and, and see what, what you say and let the listeners maybe learn a little bit more about you or just get some insight on your opinions of, of a few things. Okay. Yeah, let's roll. All right, cool. So which player is most likely to win their first Cy Whiffle award? Um, let's see. So it's not Scott, not Sam, not Gus. Um, I'm going to say Paul Castellano because he's not one. He pitched solid last year. He was third team pitcher nationally. And he just, you know, he, he throws it low every time he paints that bottom corner of the strike zone. He's, I hate hitting against him. I think a lot of people do, but he put up solid numbers last year. And if the A's make some noise, it's going to be because he is leading them on the mound. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to, I was going to say if, if they get back to where they want to be, it's going to be from a big performance from him on that. I, I could say, Will Rath, we had mentioned he's been second and wow. second inside Wiffle for a couple of years now. So he's always been there on the verge. Like he could do it. I could also say Cam Smith, who was national pitcher of the year um, this year too. So he, he has yet to win one as well. So Either of those guys or any of those three could potentially do it if if we get a new face this year. So um, what went into your decision to disband the Brewers franchise? Good question. Probably could have expected that one. Um, you know, I think kind of maybe some of the reasons we, we talked about earlier, I think there's, there's some desire to, you know, I think being a captain for not uh, 10 years, I guess, um, it's, it's more, it takes more time and more work than I think people realize, especially, you know, we spent so many years shuffling around five, six man, even seven man lineups, you know, me wanting to much like you said with you and John Calloway, like me wanting to get input from everybody and balance that out, make everybody happy, make the right decisions. Um, 
it's tougher than, 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 it, than it might sound. Um, so I like the idea of kind of stepping back, knowing that, you know, my brother, John being the captain of this team, knowing the players on the team, knowing their, their desires, their, their passions, their level of, you know, Hey, here's, here's what I'd like to do. Here's what I'd like to contribute to these three phases of the game. Like, um, it's, I'm looking forward to taking a step back a little bit. Uh, I felt like it was just kind of coming over time. You know, when we, when we started the franchise era, you know, I think the Brewers kind of embodied or created the, the, the franchise, the year award, and we were all about it. Um, you know, we, we chose the Brewers cause we, we were in college and we drank a lot. Um, it's a little different these days, you know, as, as we've grown up and, and families and things. Um, so those are, those are kind of two of the bigger reasons, opportunities to play with new guys like Brad, you know, I, I did play with Sam back in the three-man era with my brother, Andrew. Um, but it's so far back. I, I really barely remember uh, that much. So I think it's, I like the idea of how people are kind of shaking it up. So I kind of want to be a part of that. And I, lastly, I, I was really only going to do it if I knew that each of the players were going to have somewhere to go. And, and, you know, I think the first three players to sign this past off season were three brewers or three of the, three of the first, you know, seeing Derek, I'm more excited to see Derek on the white Sox and Jimmy on the Astros than I am to see how my own, you know, year shakes out. So um, there's my, that's, that's the best reasons I can give, I would say. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, similar to the first question, but which player is most likely to win their first MVP award? Oh, that's a good one. Um, so I feel like Metters already won one back in the day. Um, well, I would say I'm going to go with, with, with Patrick Gaddy because he has been close. He's got a great supporting cast to do that. Um, my other thought was Jackson, because I'm really, I'm really curious to see what Jackson, you know, he, he hasn't always been a full-time hitter as well. And I, MVP is an offensive award. I think how, that's how everybody looks at it. So yeah, he's going to win side Wiffle or he has one side Wiffle. Um, but I'm going to go with PG because he's, he's a big power home run guy. I think if he's the lineup around him works well, he's been as close as you can get. Um, and I think he's, he's definitely high on that list. Yeah. I could say um, John Callaway, I, but I, I think the world of John and, it still baffles me. He doesn't, he's not made an all-star, but you know, he, I think new team, um, being a captain, um, being a little bit excited about the opportunity may, you know, he, he could put up some, some good numbers this year, um, as well. So he'd be somebody I'd throw out. Um, Valentine's day just happened. And so give a box of chocolates to one player on a different team than yours. I, I would say I'm going to give a box of chocolates to Derek Cornell. Um, as I, as I mentioned earlier, I mean, 
for a guy like him, you know, he's been a part of the Brewers for a few years, came into the league as a Brewer. Of course, his brother Kyle is, was, was a Brewer. Um, but we've, I'd like to take a little bit of credit for, for his production. And, and I want to, I want, I've given him a lot of mentoring and, and guidance along the way. And something about lefties, I'm like obsessed with like lefties, like swinging the bat or like lefties, you know, playing soccer. Like it just looks a little sweeter to me. Um, so I, I really feel like he's, and he's been getting recognized, you know, he hasn't been ranked in the top 20 past couple of years. He's, he snuck in, he snuck in at 18 this year. I think people are starting to see like the talent that he has. And, uh, you know, I'm, I give a box of chocolates to him looking forward to seeing what he can do with this huge role. I mean, he, he may have a big pitching role, um, yeah. on the white Sox. Uh, we didn't know he could pitch. And last year we were kind of like, can you pitch? Cause maybe we have a little bit of more of a need than we thought. And he, he did really well. Um, so I think he could maybe be the guy behind Jackson that kind of helps him out on the mound. Yeah. All right. Last question. You had mentioned, the beer and the drinking that was so famous with the Brewers. So how much beer will be consumed on the Orioles on your new team? Oh God. Well, not, not as much. Well, let's, let's see. Let's break the question. You have to kind of break down on a per person uh, basis. Sam Skibby, he's not going to be, he's not going to be doing much there. He's going to be busy. He's going to be laser focused. Um, he might have a couple spritzers, maybe a mimosa. I don't know. Um, PG, you know, he, he's got celiac disease. He can't, he can't, he can't drink most beers. Um, he's, he's been, he's had some lifestyle changes much like we all have over the years. Um, I don't you know, John, I, I don't know if John's, I don't think my sister-in-law is probably not going to listen to this. So he might lead the team, especially if he's, if, especially if he's kind of in a, a managerial oversight role for the most part. Um, you know, I live, I live five minutes. I can walk to the Skibby field in five minutes. So that should allow me to drink more beer than most. I don't know if it will, you know, like, you know, you got two young kids. It's like, well, it's not going to work out like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really do want to, um, want to focus on the performance and the production. So, like I said, you know, times have changed a little bit. Um, Brett, he might bring some of those buzz balls. Um, those, if he's hanging out with, he likes if he's hanging out with Blake, he might be having like tequila, Dr. Pepper, whatever, whatever Blake drinks. I don't think, you know, a decent amount. And if I think about it in terms of other teams, what other teams you're going to drink more than the Orioles? I'm thinking maybe the Marlins, definitely the Expos, and definitely the Rockies. They, they're, they're sneaky uh, under the radar connoisseurs of, of the art of, of alcohol. Um, so I would, I'd say we might be coming in. Obviously, we're going to drink more of the Twins. Yeah. Um, I think everybody does. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put us at fifth or sixth safely. Yeah. Yeah, you and Brett – and John would have to definitely carry Sam with all of his responsibilities. Um, 
though if you can count what he drinks after the, at the end of the day on whether they're seltzers or other things you can count those too so um yeah i do uh i think sam at his own house has got one of the, the best bars and, and setups that, that you could ask for so yeah he'll do it at the right time for sure well, that wraps up this episode of the Skibby Wiffle Ball League podcast. Um, I want first. I want to thank our sponsors: thirteen fifty six Public House, Reuben Brown, our division sponsors: Ketting Eye Center, Corner Pub and Grill, and Cardinal Blinds and Shutters. We also have sponsorships uh, from Logix, STL Cycle Saloon, and Andy's Frozen Custard. Um, we've got a couple other podcasts coming at you guys. Um, we're going to have them start coming steady as we get closer and closer to. Uh, Season 20, we've got division draw on February 20th here, just a couple of days away at 1356 Public House. Then we're going to start getting into captain interviews and looking at these teams on an individual basis. Um, and then we're also going to have the schedule release in March. So we've got a lot of stuff coming at you guys. Um, getting really excited for season 20. Um, but mostly right now, I just want to thank you, Peter, for getting on here. I really appreciate you taking the time, man. It's been fun. Um, any final thoughts? for the, for the fans out there? Yeah, no, I, you know, the sponsorships you mentioned, I feel, I think that we've seen those steadily grow over the years and it's important for us to kind of have those to be able to kind of do what we do. So I, and it's a very, we run the gamut on the types of sponsorships we have. Um, I mean, you're talking healthcare, apparel, food and drink, logistics, home decor, uh, dessert. I mean, you, you could live a pretty happy life with all that, but I will call out 1356 public house specifically as a, the sponsor of the podcast series. I mean, they have the best happy hour that, that you could see um, in the area. It's, I think it's happy hour, like 90% of the time in, in, in the bar area. Um, when we started this back in this franchise area back in 2012, I know Krieger's was, was the big sponsor that used to be in the building that 1356 is in now. Um, so it's fun to see that come full circle. And I know they let Jackson Crosley drink there for free as long as he does the dishes like three times a week. So that's pretty, that's pretty neat. That's awesome. Yeah. He was the one that introduced me to 1356 last season. We went there after, uh, either opening night or the next night or something, but yeah, it's pretty great to have them, uh, as, as our presenting sponsor this year, more excited for the, the Friday night social event there too. So. All right, everybody. Me, man. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Um, stay tuned for future podcasts and appreciate you guys listening in and uh, give us a like if uh, if you enjoyed this podcast. All right. Stay safe out there.